Welcome. Good to be here. Good to have you. You're one of my best friends. Nothing better than being a best friend. Never had somebody say that. Nothing better than having a best friend as well. Right. Good to have a best friend. <laughs> Those are at home. <laughs> oh, let's do this thing. You ever been on a podcast? No. Not with somebody else. I thought you had your own. I did have my own, but nobody ever came on it. Well, I never really invited anybody on it, to be honest with you. You broke some pretty interesting news to me recently. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I feel, um, I feel pretty good. I feel pretty damn good. Um, definitely a big move. Definitely yeah. a big step. You think Tennessee is the one? I think Tennessee is the one. I've been feeling it. Did you look at any other spots? No, just Tennessee. Tennessee has been weighing down on my heart yeah. for a very long time for some reason. A lot of good music comes out of there. Oh, yeah. Good nightclubs, nightlife over there? Everywhere. You're going to be 20 minutes from Nashville. Nashville. Yeah. We went to uh, we went to it, what, a couple weeks ago. We just came back from Nashville. And, uh, man, it was a blast. Every single bar. Dude, there's at least 40 bars right on that strip. And they're all live country music. All live country music. Who came out of there? Luke Combs? Luke Combs. I think Luke Bryan. I totally just made that up. Luke Combs, yeah. He has he a, he, I believe he has a bar over there. Um, Jimmy Buffett. He has like three bars out there. R.I.P. Yeah. Um, there was a... Wow. What was... We need a Jamie. We need somebody on the tech side. Yeah. If we don't know something, just pull it up. <laughs> Jamie. Well. I feel like you would need somebody like very calm and like... He listens to every single word that comes out of our mouths. This is actually the first podcast I've done um, just with a friend. Yeah. So I can talk freely however I want to talk. I don't have to interview, really. Yeah. It's more of just a conversation and we just talk shit, you know, whatever we want to do. But when I did my granddad, uh, it was very, like, interview-based. So yeah. now it feels a little more free. So, yeah. But I would like you to do most of the work. <laughs> do most of the work for me, please. <laughs> well, it takes two for me to do most of the work. Two to tango. Got you. Tango. Um, yeah, no, but Tennessee is beautiful. I think everywhere you go, and it's just every corner you turn, there's another corner that you yeah. get to go around. And there's another hill that you get to go over. It's just nonstop. All the colors change. All of the colors there. So beautiful. It's like, I mean, I've never really been around it. So that's why I love it. Cause I've been in Florida all my life and I was born and raised here. Um, so it's just kind of sad to say, but. I've never really been anywhere outside of Florida other than just vacation. Like when I went to Blue Ridge, Georgia, that was beautiful. I went, I ended up going from Blue Ridge to Tennessee. It was the old Smoky Mountains where I went to and I fell in love. Yeah. Smoky Mountains. I feel like I've been there. Maybe I'm thinking of the Redwoods. I went to the Redwoods in Oregon. Mm. Um, dude, Redwoods. They actually carved out at the base of the tree. They carved out a slot big enough for you to drive through it. Really? Have you ever heard of that? No. We actually drove through a tree, and there was enough of the tree to keep the tree standing. Wow. Still. How how amazing is that? Jamie, look that up. Yeah, Jamie, we're going to need something, Jamie. <laughs> Just picture it. Redwood forest. Yeah. I mean, dude, it's amazing. I also saw penguins there. We were at the very tip of Oregon, and there was a little... A little hit, like a big old rock in the water, mm. and they were just penguins chilling on top. I don't know how they got up there, but they got up there. <laughs> Fun fact. Fun fact. I used to, uh, I used to be in love with penguins. It was the one animal that I've always wanted. That's gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used to, I used to be in love with penguins. They were like my favorite. It's just, I don't know. It's weird. They're little waddles, so cute. 
just the way they walk. They're so small. They're furry. They're soft. They used to have webkins. Does that count? Webkins? I had a little penguin webkin. What is that? You, you never heard of webkins? No. All right, so when I was about like, I think I was about 11, 12, I was young. At the store, you could buy these things called webkins. Webkin. And at their feet, there was a little W and like a little code. So online, you go home and <laughs> type in webkins. You put the little code in and it's basically you're taking care of a virtual pet. But that pet, you have to feed, you have to make sure it's happy. So it's basically wow. like, I don't know what the equivalent is anymore to like what, what they have out now, but yeah, you would take care of that webkin. Anyway, I'm not 12 anymore, so I don't have webkins, but yeah. I, you know, once I learned how to play with my dick, I was pretty much yeah. out the window. Yeah. Once you start seeing a pair of titties, that's where yeah. everything changes. Yeah. I put down Pokemon cards after that one. Yeah. <laughs> There's a video on uh, like Facebook, Instagram going around. And this little kid just looking at a girl with a bikini on. And he's like, little Jimmy put down Pokemon cards. For that one. Did he drop his DS on that one? Yeah. <laughs> he's looking at the camera. He's like, he starts moving his uh, his eyebrows to the camera. Starts smiling. It's funny. You're leaving on the first, you said, right? Yep. So we won't have too many of these. It is currently the 7th of November. And I'm leaving December 1st. Yesterday we booked the, what was it, the uh, the shipping container, so it'll get to the house the twenty seventh, and then it'll get everything, all of our stuff. What do you mean shipping container? There. So you can rent a shipping container and uh, you put all your stuff in there, everything that you're gonna move, and they'll pick it up from the house and drop it off to your new location. Do anywhere. you mean like one of those that you would see on a ship, like those big metal bins? Yeah, um, not one of those, not like that big. Or you just mean like a truck with a big? No, it's literally like a small shipping container. It's uh, probably the size of this room, and uh, they drop it off in front of your house. You put all your stuff in it, and you put in a date. They come pick it up, and then they'll just ship it to where you're you're going to be living. It's like 1200 bucks. Oh, yeah. well, I mean, I guess there's no easy way to do it. No, yeah, it's, it's definitely cheaper. We were looking at U-Haul trucks, and a U-Haul truck itself was like $1,700, plus you got to pay for gas um, and all that. What do you have these? What do you do for uh, fun? Right now, I'm... Building a website, and that's that's pretty cool. Something new. I've never built a website before, so that's definitely a lot of brains to it. Just figuring out coding and how to just set up your layout, making it look business professional. Um, that's one of my hobbies right now. Something that I'm actually doing. Before though, if you'd like to know about before, I did a lot of things. Um, I was a mechanic that I would probably never do again for anybody other than myself. Yeah, I respect all mechanics out there. By the way. Hard work. Mechanics, uh, paint and body work. I'll be doing that for a job now, again. Um, I did it for myself for quite a while, and uh, it was fun until you start seeing the more professional side of it. Then you start to realize hmm, what I was doing. There's more to it than just doing what I was doing. Um, working for a small shop, that would make like, what, like 250000 every three or four months. $250,000 really is not a lot of money, whether it's just a small business or, you know, it's something that you have a place that allows you to bring in work and you have two or three employees. It's not a lot of money. Is that when you worked with Ernesto, the $250,000 a year you said? No, I I was working with that one guy I was telling you about uh, just what, like three, four months ago. Um, And don't get me wrong. It was, it was an office space. It was a nice office space. Um, It was a big yard in the back for cars to come in. But then I started to realize, Hmm, I'm not getting paid much. However, Looking at these big companies that do a lot of big jobs, they're pulling in at least a million dollars a month. 
they have at least six, seven, eight people, close to 10 people, you know, working. And uh, I started digging a little bit deeper and I started realizing what hack jobs were. And that's what I was doing. And I started feeling unfulfilled of, of my work. Uh, what do you mean by a hack job? Hack job. Let's I mean, say. I can picture what a hack job would be, but in your vision, what's a hack job? A hack job to me would be, let's say, a quarter panel was destroyed on a car. It would come in and we wouldn't have we wouldn't have the material or the budget to buy a new quarter panel to replace and putting it on, put it on a car with these big shops they are contacting dealerships and saying hey we need a new bedside for this truck we need a new skin replacing that skin with a new skin rather than just getting a old dented in skin you know off a truck somebody just got hit on the side or something we would all we would do is just pull it out get it to where it was it looked good to the eye and uh, sand it down, put a bunch of Bondo on it, slap some Bondo, make it as straight as possible, make it look to where the customer is happy. But at the end of the day, we know we could have replaced the quarter panel or that bedside do, rather than... Do they come out profiting when they do a hack job rather than buying a new piece? Right, yeah. It, yeah. It's a lot more profit than but do actually think, doing it professionally. Because you're paying a guy to actually fix the hacked piece. Right. And also getting it ready. And it probably down the line won't even look good in the end. And you've had people throw it back at you and say, nah, this ain't going to work. Yeah. Or if not, you get, you know, some of those people that they'll tell you how to do your job, but they've never done it before. And then that's when you got to send, you know, those people to somebody else or get a quote from another shop. And they're like, oh, well, you just got to do this. Okay. Well, go get a quote from somebody else and then come back to me. Yeah. Um, they'll get a quote for like 8,000 or $10,000 where I was charging them like $3,000 to do it. So where you're going in Nashville, it's going to, it's, it's not called Nashville. What was it called? Hendersonville. Hendersonville. So where you're going there, you're going to make more money and you're going to work a regular nine to five, whatever it may be. Yeah. Do you have your own little office space? Uh, it's a huge like warehouse where they bring in these cars and they have every professional equipment that you can think of. What style of cars are they working on? Um, everything. GM models, uh, Chevys, Fords, any car that comes in with a smashed, you know, front end or quarter panel. These are all more of like walk-ins or insurance jobs rather than uh, the place that I was working at. It would be, you know, a walk-in customer. Hey, I want this dent pulled or this dent fixed. Can you paint and do this body work? Uh, no, this place you would have to go through one person. Then you would get an estimate from that guy to just talk to somebody else. Then that guy would talk to us, the body tech, and explain why it's going to cost so much rather than just going to the front office, getting a quote, and, you know, okay, I'm going to drop it off this time. Where the old place, you know, they would talk to the guy up front. They would get their estimate, but the guys didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know anything about the work. So they would just pull everything online. They would just pull everything from these estimating websites or whatever. But what I like to call these people are they're just computer mechanics. Yeah. So they'll send you the job back there and then they'll say, hey, I need this job done. It needs to go by this time. Then at this point, we would have to tell them there's no way. Yeah, because on the book, it should tell you how long yeah. something's going to take. Yeah, but sometimes sometimes the book isn't even right. Sometimes because it's not correct. You're gonna, you're gonna, <laughs> you always come into something that's going to take yeah. an extra hour. It, always, it never fails. Always. If the boss says, hey, man, it takes three hours, it takes six hours. If the boss says it takes 10 hours, it takes 20 hours. Mm -hmm. See the trend? Yep. I've run into that my whole life, too. Yep. Always so that way. Now it's it's professional over there in Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, they're, giving, they're paying for my certifications and everything, too. Here, I have that shit. <laughs> well... Yeah, I didn't have none of that. Something else you can put on your resume. Yeah. And yeah, it looks better. Yeah, a lot better. Um, I told them, I was like, hey, look, I owned my shop for four years. I've worked at multiple places. Um, 
the only thing is, is I don't have any certifications. Now, when I went to a dealership here in Florida to work, they wanted to start me off at $20 an hour for a lot of work. I think I'm going to work doing what I'm doing, you know, uh, so much body work and fixing a, a panel that's going to take me 10 hours to do just to get paid like five or six for what? For $20 an hour. I, I can't do it, bro. That's why I brought, that's why I bought my old truck, two grand, buy an old truck, fix it up, put about four, maybe 5,000 in it runs nice. I could sell it for exactly how much I have into it right now. Mm -hmm. I don't know who's going to buy it, but I can guarantee I'll sell that. Yeah. Which by the way, I need to work on it. I need a paint job. Send it up to Tennessee. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> no, I can always come down here and, no, and you, you know, <laughs> these are false promises, people. <laughs> no, I'll probably be out here. I'll probably come out here like once in a blue moon for like a weekend or something. You seem like the type of guy to do that. I you don't live up here. to all your promises. You know that? I don't want to be here. You live up to every one of your promises. That's what my girl tells me. She gets mad at me. Is that the one? <laughs> she gets mad at me all the time because anything I say, I'm going to do. She went to work today. She told uh, she told her boss, hey, I'm leaving. She's like, wait, you're serious? So you were telling me that you went to Tennessee for vacation. I asked you if you were going to move up there. You said no. But you are? She didn't know at the time. Yeah, she didn't know. Or it was a white lie, whatever one. Yeah, either or. But I told her I was serious. She didn't believe me. I was like, we're moving at the end of the year. Okay. And she started getting more clients. Fruition. Yeah. She she started getting more clients and stuff like that. Started making more money. And I was like, well, I'm going to build this business for you. That way, when we do leave, you have not only clients already, but you have references. You were, you were talking about doing a fitness, online fitness company. Right. Is that still coming? Yeah. Remember I was telling you almost a year ago when we would go to the casino and fucking drop $200 on a red. <laughs> Yo, $400 on rent. That's like my life savings right there. Yeah. Remember I was telling you that night when your truck broke down and we had to drive it like 40 miles an hour in an 80 Stopped all the way down I-75. Stopped at a Hooters. Yeah. <laughs> With a frog on the window the entire time, almost about to jump on your shoulder. Hey, my truck drives so much better now. It drives so much better. Those drove, were fun times though. I drove so good. I, I kind of fell out of uh, gambling. Me too. I don't think it's very healthy. It's not. It's not, dude. I like poker. But there are so many good poker players yeah. that they kind of make you look like a fool. And also, some people bully. I mean, they got big old chip stacks. Yeah. And they just bully you because they know you're going in with 20 bucks. That's all you got. And I think it's 60 bucks is like the minimum buy-in you can do. Yeah. And they'll put you all in as soon as you get there. Yeah. Just to see if you're uh, capable or not. Right. Last time I went, it was, what, 100 bucks that I lost? And then I came back in and I just won all my money back, plus everybody's at the table. I was like, I'm out. <laughs> it's a good feeling when you win your money back. <laughs> it may be a little bit extra so you can go to the food court and yeah. not have to break the bank. Yeah. That was nice. Now, you know what guy math is? You know how there's girl math? Yeah. So girl math. Uh, let's see if I can think of an example. Girl math is if you have Starbucks credit, like you previously pumped money onto Starbucks and you forgot about it, but you have the Starbucks card or whatever, and you use it, that was free. That's free Starbucks. Girl math is if you uh, go out to dinner with like six girls and you pay for the full tab, but everybody individually pays you their, their share, you're making money. That's girl math. Guy math would be, <laughs> I, I just spit that perfectly. Guy math would be go to the casino. You're down 200 bucks, but you win your 200 bucks back. You just won 200 bucks. Yeah. I mean, you leave the happiest ever. You're like, you just made that. Yeah. Uh, uh, Joe Rogan. Who's the Dana White? Not Joe Rogan. Dana White. Apparently he gambles like crazy. He'll go in with like $300,000. And start doing like $25,000 chip lions yeah. for blackjack. Can you imagine having that much money? That would be nice. 
so nice. Yeah. Like way too nice. Yeah. I wonder if he even sweats at the table. <laughs> he does. He tells you. He, uh, Joe Rogan went to, uh, I think it was a casino where he was at. No, it was, um, they were on a boat and he hired a poker table, like a poker table, like somebody professional to just right on his boat. And, uh, Joe Rogan was saying that he was just there and he was like, oh, I understand why people gamble. It's just Exciting. the adrenaline rush. Yeah. yeah. It's the adrenaline rush. You don't lose money just to lose it. Cause when we went to the casino and I'm going in with $20, it's still a rush. It doesn't yeah. matter. Even if you're at the, like, the, like I used to do home games, you remember, yeah. on the pool table. Yeah. Even that was scary. Like yeah, going was. in with like $1. Yeah. That's scary. Could you imagine $25,000 chip? Right. And you still have to put another $25,000 in for the play. Yeah. You already put one in for the ante, but you got to put one in for the play. That's, that's scary. Whew. Some people, they bet their, their entire house. They bet their cars. How many people do you think leave the casino completely and utterly destroyed financially. A lot of people. Like, okay. I don't know the statistics, but I know a lot of people. Let's call it two people a night. Yeah, that must be rough. You know, one time when we were at your house, I was going to bet my truck. But because I know we were friends, I was like, I'm just going to do it. Just do, to do it. Do you still want to? No. <laughs> <laughs> so are you bringing your truck over to Hendersonville? Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm shipping my car and my truck over there. I want to drive my truck on the, on the old Smoky Mountain. My truck is pretty great. I do have a, I haven't drove it until now, probably for like a couple months. So it's, it's just, I drive it here and there. I have insurance on it for what? Just so I can sit at home. My girlfriend gets mad at me because I pay less than her car. Girls are always going to be mad. I pay 40 bucks for insurance for my truck. <laughs> when I was younger, um, I got in a bad accident, not really a bad accident. It was just dumb. And I got uh, booked for careless driving. I was also drunk, mm -hmm. so I'm really, really surprised that I never got a DUI. I was 17. Mm -hmm. And soon after that, I got in another little tiff with my truck. A little fender bender. And I think it happened again. So my insurance was like around 500 bucks. It was oh, 470. Yeah. Yeah. And I had to live with that for a long while. I was fucking depressed. <laughs> mad depressed. And I was really good. I, I have been. I don't think I've got as much as a speeding ticket in over two years. Knock on wood. Yep. Um, I just got a speeding it's, ticket the other day. Did you? Yeah, right on your road. <laughs> yeah, you got to be careful. We call that one the magic mile. You could speed that whole thing, but it's 45. Yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, I went 100, and the cop, he pulled me over. Uh, he was like, oh, do you know how fast you're going? I was like, no. Do you know what road? Was that you on that road? I was like, what road is it? I was trying to play stupid, but he knew that's, that's what I was doing. Because uh, I turned into a neighborhood and I lost him for like a good probably two minutes. And I started going slow because I didn't see him anymore. And then he ended up pulling right behind me. I'm like, fuck. So when I tried to turn onto another road, he pulled me over. He was like, was that you on that road? I was like, which road is that? I just came from Cortez. Uh, he was like 53rd. I was like, is it that long road in front of the golf course? I was like, yeah, that was me. He was like, you know how fast you were going? I'm like, no. You were going 72 on 45. I was like, shit. Now he told me to roll up my window. He should have said, no, I wasn't. I was going 100. <laughs> Hell no. Uh, he was like, roll up your window. He was just being a dick at this point because he knew I was lying. But he pulled me over, gave me a speeding ticket, and then he gave me a, uh, a ticket for my tents. I was like, you're a fucking asshole. That's how you know you're kind of being a dick to the cop when they give you yeah. a ticket for the tent. Because I got pulled over with my tent in my car, and he never said anything. I didn't even think about it till now. Yeah. He never said anything. But that was a while back, two years ago. Yeah. He was, he was being a dick. But I was like, you know what? 
Well, he also knows I was trying to run away from him, but he didn't ask me that question. I'm surprised if you were going 100. Did you see the blue lights like way back? No, I saw his. I saw the the um, the red lights from his brake lights turn on. I was like, "Fuck, he's coming to get me!" So I turned on the first road that I saw. I was like, "Shit, I gotta go! I gotta go! I gotta go!" I wonder what would happen if you just kind of pulled into a spot, got out real quick, and kind of watched from afar. Yeah, he probably would have saw me. Did you uh, turn into that one called um, Champions Walk? That one's gated. No, it was uh, like right across from mine. It was before IMG. Oh yeah. Oh, Glen Lakes. Yeah. Or yeah. Westland, whatever one it is. Yeah, something like that, but right in there. Yeah, that's amazing there. I get lost. I know. I, I lost him for a second, but then he <laughs> found me. Uh, it was He found me because I took a left, and it's very short. And it's as soon as you turn a left, you're going straight to a, a stop sign. It's right there. I, if I would have turned right and hauled ass a little bit, he wouldn't have found me. Yeah, because that one goes all the way around yeah. to the light. Yeah. And then you can turn left, and it's like 51st or something. Yeah. It's that left right on IMG. Our listeners are going to be like so lost. Like, all right, so we have to return. If we want to know where you're at, we got to turn. Yeah. But, oh, well, it is what it is. You live and learn. Um, it's weird. Uh, I started realizing that some cops aren't asking you for your registration anymore. Probably because nobody not. has it. I, I don't know. He didn't ask me. He just asked for my license. That's it. I was like, no registration, no nothing. Well, I'm sure. But they probably just go on your license on the computer and then they pull up right away your registration or yeah. if the vehicle isn't registered, they'll know right away. Yeah. They know, they know who they're walking. Up. I'm sure I'm, I'm 99% sure they know who they're walking up on. Yeah. But oh well. I mean, even if you don't have your license, they can still look it up. So yeah, exactly. I was trying to get away from it, but I was going to lie to him and say, man, I know I was speeding. I'm sorry. This is the first time I don't have the kids with me and I wanted to test out the car cause I just got it. But I didn't think about that like right away. I was just like, fuck, he found me. Now he's going to give me a ticket for a runaway. I'm probably going to get arrested or something. So I wasn't thinking about that. Yeah. Let's just keep it there. How does, uh, I was, I was literally going to call you. I was going to be like, Robbie, didn't I just come from your house, bro? Throwing me under the bus. <laughs> I was going to be like, bro, help me out. This cop doesn't believe me that I just came from your house. <laughs> didn't we see that white car just speed past us? It wasn't me. <laughs> how's, uh, how's the dad life? Pretty interesting. Let's be clear. You don't actually have a kid. You're just in a relationship where yeah. a woman has kids. Yeah. What are the ages? She has two kids, a one-year-old and a three-year-old. And uh, it's pretty interesting because the father gave them everything since they were born. He's a piece of shit. That's number one. Anyways, uh, there's just no discipline with the kids. So them meeting me now and being with me for like, what, the past seven, eight months? It's just nothing but discipline with me. So it's not fun for the three-year-old. She just starts crying and asking for mommy and this and that because they coddled her and gave her everything they she wanted. She never cried with them. She was just their sweet little angel they would give everything to. Well, I mean, the other day, she just started, like, crying for no reason because she got in trouble with me. And uh, I put her in the corner for two minutes. Time out? Yeah. Just stare at the wall. That's the thing? With me, it is. <laughs> My girl, she's like... Oh, I don't believe in hitting my kids because when she was a kid, she didn't listen whether they hit her or not. I was like, okay, but let's think about how you are now. You're nice to people, right? You don't, you're not a, you're not, a, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to step over, but you're not a bitch to anybody, right? You don't, you don't, you're not entitled. You do everything for yourself. You don't ask for anything. You do it for yourself. You got your ass whooped when you were a kid. I think about it myself. I got my ass whooped as a kid. 
And I'm real respectful to my parents. And I'm real respectful to everybody that's around me. Because you know what an ass whooping can do. So it's like, do you really want to get your ass whooped for disrespecting somebody that you don't know? How bad would it be if you didn't know that person and they had the ability to kill you right in that instance for being disrespected? But when I was younger, the, those big mod vapes were big, right? Yeah. Like around 15, 16. High school. I'm 23 now. So. Freshman. Yeah. So in my, in my middle, it was actually middle school. No, high school. Right. High school days, the mod vapes were huge. Yeah, so that's when jewels were a thing at that point. Yeah, the jewel was the next. Yeah. Or actually it was Juno. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But Juno was lit. Yeah. Beside <laughs> the point. So we had those big mods. Uh, my buddy Nick Burns, which I'll have in the pod soon. And then Michael Burns was over as well. We smoked a bit of weed and then we went back into the inside. This was at my old house. So the, the room, have you ever been there with the pool table? Yeah. The big room? So we were chiefing it up. My dad and mom weren't there. We were chiefing it up, basically hotboxing the room, just blowing out, like doing stupid shit. And my dad yeah. comes in. At the time, he wasn't a big smoker. Like he wasn't into weed or he wasn't into any of that. Yeah. Now he is. <laughs> but he came in. He noticed the room was boxed. He knew we were vaping. Comes up to me. He's in my face and he slaps me. I immediately retaliated by throwing a right hook didn't really land. It was, it was one of those like, like, like ratchet white girl punches. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. He immediately swings. I swing back. So this is the first fight I've ever been in with my dad. In front of people. In front of my mom, in front of Ryan, in front of Nick, in front of Michael and Thomas. And all I can remember, really, because it was a while ago, but all I can remember was somebody pulled me off. My mom was screaming. Thomas was watching from the stairs. And Nick and Michael were just in shock, just standing there. And I threatened to run away. You know, it was one of those things. Yeah. Um, it's a fake. <laughs> my dad, I don't think he was too hurt, but I had a, like a busted lip. Uh, I felt it the next day. We were just like yelling at each other back and forth. Like, hope you feel, hope you feel shitty the next day. <laughs> hope that feels good. <laughs> a nice little shiner. So yeah, that, I wouldn't say it's abuse. Like it's, it, he, t- he had every right to hit me. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I didn't have every right to hit him back though. And I never apologized to him for this, to this day, but it actually did make us a lot closer. Right. As a father and son. Um, and I think that's one triumph that every kid and father needs to go through is like, if you have a dad, but yeah. you have to go through some sort of triumph to make the bond more special yeah. and more respectful. Cause after that, I think we both have more respect for each other. Like we're both grown men now. Yeah. Yeah. When I was, uh, when I was a kid, I was just getting my ass whooped because I was being bad. I was just, I wanted to play the game. They tell me no, I'll play the game and then I would get my ass whooped. And I wouldn't see the game for like a month or I wouldn't play for like two weeks. Or if not, if I talked back to my mom, it's just hell. You get the chunkla? The chunkla. You get anything in sight, promise you she would throw a cup at me. <laughs> the fridge magnet. I remember one time uh, I told my mom, she was washing the dishes and she was yelling at me and I told her to relax. Oh my gosh, that was the worst thing I ever did because she thought I said shut up. And my mom's Hispanic. So. Oh, because it's... Uh, how do you say it in Spanish? Calmate. Oh, calm? That's not what I was thinking. What were you thinking? Cuidado? Cuidado. No, cuidado means watch out. Oh, well, that was, yeah, that's close. Yeah. Um, no, I told her, uh, I told her relax. And she thought I said shut up. And uh, I remember she broke a plate because she was washing dishes and she broke the plate right there in the sink. Ooh, she got so pissed. She threw whatever was in sight. She grabbed a broom, started whooping my ass with the broom, grabbed an extension cord, started whooping my ass with the extension cord. <laughs> I ran all the way across the, the, um, the living room, <laughs> the fucking chunk loud just flying all the way from the kitchen to the living room. <laughs> Direct aim. <laughs> Does not play. Those Latino moms, though, yeah. they're crazy. Yeah. But the way I look at it is 
It was because, you know, they do it because they love you. It's not because, you know, we're being, how would I say, or they're being uh, mean to you or anything like that. Like, that's what my girl thinks is that the way that I discipline is a different form of she's white. I'm Hispanic. She has no culture at all. None whatsoever. And uh, just the way I discipline and I mean, the way I discipline is the way I was disciplined. I'm not saying, you know, I'll hit her kids or anything like that, but if they're really bad to an extent, I'll tell her like she needs to get smacked because all it is is she's going to run over you when, you know, she turns 16, 17, whatever. She's going to hate your guts. You start implementing that now while they're kids, they're going to listen to you. Some people, some people get, uh, they get it mixed up. They get abuse with discipline mixed up and that's not what it is. Abuse is when it's happening over and over again. I think discipline is just like a one-time thing. I, I don't fully believe in... I don't like, believe in child abuse. I don't believe uh, in abuse. What what abuse to me is, abuse to me would be like if I'm just beating your ass for no reason. Yeah, just because you had a bad day, you take it on your kid. Exactly. Yeah, we're not doing that. We're not looking to do that. But right. like if she's acting up or... If they fail. Yeah, you have a lot. You have a lot of experience now with kids. Yeah. You've been dating her for three months? No. It's been like six, seven months already. Dang. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah, I've been with Becca for almost five years now. Yeah, it's wild. Um, Time really flies. But honestly, when it comes to kids, you see all of your flaws. And you understand who you are better. You understand who you are more. Because you're seeing the child, your inner child come out. So you have to regulate your inner child with your adulthood. If that makes sense to you. It's more of, you know, you got you go back in time. It's like time traveling. You start to understand, wow, I used to be this way. I'm not this way anymore, but I can understand, you know, a bit more why I was being that way or how I could have been better, how I could have changed. You love in a whole different way. It's a whole new way. Love isn't love anymore. Love isn't, you know, hugs and kisses and, you know, how it was back in middle school. You got your first love or whatever. Uh, it's just lovey-dovey, always clinging on each other, stuff like that. Uh, that's not love. Love is hard. Love is discipline. Love is uh, doing everything that you need to do in the moment for the future. It's not just for the present moment. It's more for the future as well. Because um, whenever I tell my girl, like, hey, you need to discipline her. Because if not, she's going to run over you, you know, later on when she's starting to be an adult. And she's not going to, and she's going to hate you later on in the future because you didn't discipline her. Because now she no longer, she's already an adult. Now she no longer knows how to be disciplined. She doesn't know how to, uh, she doesn't understand why um, you were being the way you were. I've heard it before with one of my buddies. His mom told me right in front of him that she fucked up by giving them everything they wanted. Because now he's 30 years old and he still lives with mom. I think those kind of people just don't have the drive to do anything in life. If right. you're, if you, so it, it all makes sense if you have a family business and you all live together or something. Yeah. But if you're still living at home at thirty, something's wrong. Yeah, and that's the way I look at it. I'm like, damn, I would never want to be that type of person. I'm not, yeah. I'm not downing them or anything like that. No, you know, and, but... and right now it makes sense to live with your family because everything's so expensive, and I get yeah. it. But I mean, you gotta have some. By thirty years old, you gotta have something to show. Exactly. You gotta have something to show. Exactly. I mean, we're young. We're very young. Whenever I hang out with him, he's like, he has so much knowledge is the thing. 
the knowledge that he he'll give me, I get an epiphany every single time I speak with him. But then in the back of my mind, you know, I always think about, well, you don't have that much experience. He has a lot of knowledge. He has a lot of um, understanding of the world. And uh, he knows a lot of what I'm saying. And he tell, he just tells me, he's like, oh, you're so young. And you make me reflect back on my life where I wouldn't do anything with your age. I wasn't doing nothing. I was, I was just partying. A lot of people tell me that, yeah. I was just partying at your age. And those are the people that tell you, oh, you should enjoy your, your 20s and this and that. You should go out and party, whatever, whatever. I'm like, no, it's not what I want. That's backwards. Yeah. I feel like an old man. Like earlier today, my mom's husband, my stepdad, he's like, I wish I was your age. I'd be doing anything. I'd be doing everything with your type of energy. I'm like, what are you talking about? I feel just as old as you are. <laughs> I'm tired too. I'm young, but I'm tired. I don't remember the last time I've been to a club or a party or anything like that. Right. We're just, dude, we work so much. We're just in go, 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 go mode. Exactly. We're constantly worried about that money so we can put it into something. Yeah. That's how I think all the time. I can't go on vacation. I haven't worked in like three months, four months. And before that, I only worked, I worked probably two months and then I quit that job. I walked out. But it's yeah. because I've, I've done things for myself already. So no, with your field, it's tough. It's yeah. like, it's, it's really tough in your field. Yeah. It's like, what's the point of working for somebody else? I have the knowledge and I have the experience of working for myself. And yeah, that's, what I, that's myself. what I respect about you is you've actually, you've actually set up your business. You've actually legitimized your business. Yeah. You've actually bought all the tools as well. You've actually bought and leased, not bought, but leased a shop. Yeah. You've done more than I have and you're younger than me. And I have all those goals and I, that's what I want to do. But I haven't felt confident enough in it yet to, to make it my own and legalize it. But you see, you have everything. You can do it at any moment. The only problem is, is that you're not willing to step down and be like, okay, I'm going to do this right now. Yeah. With me, I did it, but I also wish I was like you where I waited. Yeah. Yeah. I'm playing chess at the moment. Yeah. Before, before I wasn't doing that. I started my business. I started out of my mom's garage. Everything started falling in place. Uh, more money that I've ever made started coming in. I started implementing that into a shop, got the shop, started building more and more and, uh, got my clientele. Uh, then I got to a certain point where I didn't know how to handle it anymore. Um, just cause it started, it's just started getting harder and harder and harder. I'm not saying I gave up or anything. Um, I feel like I lost the drive and I lost the passion for it because of the people. And that's one thing I will say that business is really hard because of the people. It's not because you, because of the work you do or anything like that. You love what you do. I love what I do. Although I say I hate it. I was in such a poor area and I was doing quality work, but people were just taking advantage of me because I would do the quality work and they knew that. I didn't know my potential. Um, so I would take every single job that, that would come in. I would, they would negotiate with me and I would just take it because yeah. it was still, it was more money than I ever made before. Yeah, I can make, you're gonna pay for rent. Yeah. I can make $500 in a day, but then I'm going to have two days of argument with these people and they're going to come back. That's one of the biggest problems with people's businesses is they never learn how to say no. I never learned how to say no until now, now that I reflect back and, and look back at everything that I've done. Now I've set up this online business to where it targets and focuses only on the people that are looking for quality and are looking to pay for quality rather than yeah, no having, jobs. yeah, exactly. Rather than having a, a business, right. That has the cheapest price on there. That's going to target cheap people. But I know now the cheapest people are the ones that are going to give you the most hassle. So why not up the price to those people that aren't going to hassle on the price? They're going to see it. They're going to be like, Oh, this is expensive. So it must be quality. So let me shoot for that.
I think people get it so messed up sometimes when they look at price and they think better. Lower price, worse. Higher price, better. Right. It's You get so disillusioned and actually just, what's the word, maybe just confused yeah. into thinking that a higher price would just mean better quality. Right. Some people will get back, backwards in that sense. Well, it all depends on where you go. Like if my grandma bought a rug, her centerpiece rug, take a guess how much it was. A rug? Yeah, like not carpet, just a rug. It's probably as big as this room. They're probably like 200 bucks. $200? I don't know. I feel like that's a little cheap. Try going 7800 bucks more. What? Yes. For a rug? For a rug. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, for something you're going to step on that's going to get dirty, I wouldn't do it. That's like, that's almost like uh, when people buy Jordans, they spend 400, 500, close to $1,000 on shoes for what? Yeah. <laughs> you buy me a $1,000 pair of sneakers, I will go to work with them the next day. I will not give a fuck. I got these off Timu. That's what I'm saying. I will literally sit there. I will just, I'll, I'll wear whatever. I'll keep buying the same pair of Vans that are $40 and wear them everywhere. I'm at that point in my life where I will pay less than $20 for shoes. Yeah. I mean, you got to pay for expensive work boots. Though. Of course. That's the kind of thing you got to pay for. Yeah. I would rather buy boots than shoes, to be honest with you. I would too. We went to Tennessee, spent 400 bucks on, on boots. Oh, dude, I'm so jealous. I didn't even think about that. You can dress Western. Oh. Yeah. Everybody's so nice in Tennessee. That's what I hate about Florida. Yeah. Wait, actually, in Tennessee, is it... Is it kind of like Florida weather or is it mostly colder? Is it like flip-flop? The way I look at it is Tennessee is Florida maybe 20 years ago. So it's colder. It's I don't know so nice. That. It's so nice. It feels so good. There's a breeze all the time. The heat is not heat. It's, uh, <laughs> so you're not constantly waiting for, no. uh, what's it called, cold waves? Yeah. It's, a, it's literally, it's almost like how cold it was fronts. out there. It's almost how it was out there. Sitting yeah, in front of the fire with a nice breeze. It's it's annoying waiting for cold weather, and when it comes, it's like half and half. So in the morning, it's like sixty yeah. degrees, and in the afternoon, it's like ninety five. Yeah, over there, it was we would wake up at like seven or eight in the morning. It would be sixty four, and then when it would shoot up, it would only shoot up to like seventy six, seventy eight. That's perfect, dude. So give, give me that year round. Yeah, six o'clock, it would go back down to like sixty five, and it would stay like that for the rest of the night. It was so perfect. They did say um, when it gets cold, it gets cold, but. A lot of people, obviously, that, that never been to Tennessee, they would always say, oh, why are you going up north? You're going to hate the snow and this and that. Well, that's the first thing I asked when I went to Tennessee. How's the snow up here? It doesn't snow. It just gets cold. And maybe if it does snow, it'll only be like less than an inch. I don't know how it would be. You should start doing it more ice baths. Yeah, they felt so good when we were doing it. I brought uh, Aiden to the house. We did an ice bath. Yeah. And he did it for about 25 seconds. <laughs> and jumped like, right out. I was like, you'll get it next time, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when... Shit, we put like what six buckets of ice in it. I couldn't even do it. I couldn't. I only just dipped my legs in there, and they were burning. I don't know. I don't know what what happened that day. It, yeah, six buckets will get it around like forty. Dude, it was cold as fuck. It was really cold. Yeah, but I'm I'm able to do it for like ten minutes. I mean, it sucks every time. It never gets easier. Yeah. The only thing it gets easier on is is your mind. The yeah. physical is always tough. Yeah. But if you can your train mind. your mind to do better it's all every in your time. Mind. Yeah, it's all in your mind. I mean, that's what Speaking life of is. All in your mind. Let's talk about some psychedelics. Psychedelics. Some interesting times I've had on psychedelics. What are your thoughts on psychedelics? They're amazing. Until your body tells you no more. Yeah, I had the same experience. Yeah. I probably did mushrooms because I've never done anything else. It's just, it's only ever been weed and mushrooms. Yeah. And mushrooms, man. The first time I did it, it was about the most bliss experience I've ever, I've ever had. Yeah. I got so emotional. Hugged my dad. <laughs> just, we had a fire going. I jumped in the pool. It was bliss. It was absolutely amazing. I would recommend it. Acid is the same way. I don't re recommend acid though to anybody. 
I remember taking half a tap. Was it half a tap or a full tap? I don't remember. I think it was, oh, it was a half a tap of acid. And I went to my brother's house in Northport. And he was like freshly moved in, probably there for like three months already. But it felt like home. I've never felt that feeling ever before. Felt like home. Like I sat on the couch and I just looked around and I'm like, dude, this is home. The word home came out of my mouth probably like 30 times. <laughs> just having a conversation with him. I'm like, bro, this feels like home. What do you think made it feel that way? I don't know. The acid? <laughs> it's definitely the acid, but I never felt that experience ever again after that. But I've done like acid like 50 times. So you tried chasing the dragon? Yeah. But every single time was wild. Have you ever gone back to his on on acid to see if you had that same feeling? No. I was done with acid yeah. at that point. But shrooms? Shrooms is definitely a... Uh, it's, I wouldn't even say a step below acid. It's way below acid. But so much healthier. So much cleaner. It yeah. feels so much nicer. I never did shrooms before. I did acid. So I was just stuck on the feeling of acid. And do you, you just feel like your brain is melting the entire time. On acid? Yeah. You don't feel like that with shrooms. With shrooms, it's, it's, you feel it all over your body. And, uh, I mean, you have you don't have the uh, psychedelic feeling when you're on shrooms. Uh, and what I mean by that is, is the trip. The trip is not as intense. But when I was doing acid, that's when I was with my ex. And we had so many crazy nights. So many crazy nights. Having sex on acid is fucking phenomenal. Still don't recommend it, though. <laughs> It's, it's the same thing with shrooms, too, but it's not as pleasant as it was with acid. How do you think the world would change if everybody and their mother did a microdose every morning of mushrooms? So, like, microdose in the morning, microdose at lunch. Um, I have a friend that does it every single day. He'll probably take, like, one, one day off of microdosing. How much does he microdose? 0.5 of a shroom. So he, like, eats it or grinds it up and... He'll eat it with his breakfast. Or with a coffee. And he goes to work? Goes to work. He works at Publix and he microdoses. So yeah, 0.5. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's not really intense. It's great though, but it depends on how you're feeling that day. Yeah, I, I never measured it, but one day I was feeling ballsy and it was had, I had to go to Home Depot. So I had like a little root, like a, what do you call this? Like the a very stem. base of it. So oh, yeah. it it's it's a like stem. the very bottom stem. Oh yeah, just a stem. I guess you would call it the root. I don't know. But I was, I had to go to the, the bathroom at Home Depot. Not, yeah. not to do anything, just to, just to look at myself and just like a trip. I was like, oh my God, I must have done a little too much. And I was like, oh my God, what am I here for? Yeah. I don't remember. But then I snapped out of it real quick and I'm like, okay, I, I think I know what I'm doing. I think it's some spray paint. But yeah, I wouldn't do that again. Yeah. I think when you do psychedelics, if you're going to do, if you're going to do anything over 0.5, you have to be in a good setting. You got to be, you got to know kind of what you want to do. Yeah. If you're going to do TV I've never done that. I never really looked at TV tripping. I just make sure I got like natural stuff going on. The pool, the fire, you know, maybe doing some yard work yeah. in the backyard, not the front. So two different completely or two completely different experiences. Being in nature versus being inside watching TV. If you're watching TV at night, you have tunnel vision in the TV. It's literally like it's happening right in front of you. I mean Oh, I know. Right in front of you. Like as if you're inside whatever is playing. With nature, you feel this sense of like you're grounded to the earth. You have a sense of purpose. Yeah, that's why I do stuff like that because it, there's something about the connection with nature. Yeah, and because I mean, you start to feel like a mushroom. I, but I think that everybody should at least try it. Becca won't try it, and I'm like, you got to just a little bit. You got to. You have to be around the right people. Yeah. Any type of psychedelic you do, you have to be around the right people. 
If not, it can be for good or it could be for bad. Um, what do you think about legalizing all drugs? I think. Like all drugs, everything. After doing mushrooms, <laughs> a lot. I realized, and I remember my friend telling me um, this one time, Roni. He's like, I understand why they make these drugs illegal. And I got to a certain point where I understood what he meant. Because I didn't know. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? But I got to a point where I understood. I remember having this one trip where I felt like I knew everything about the world. And when I put it together, my mind was blown. I saw things that I never thought I would see. I, uh, I felt things that I never thought I would, f I would feel. And uh, I knew so much about things that I never even heard about until I looked them up. And I was like, what the fuck? They try to keep us away from the world. They try to keep us. Um, they dull, try to keep, like, yeah. keep your mind dull. Yeah, they and, they yeah. they take everything, all your power away. Your power comes back. Like you get a sense of who you are and what you're supposed to do in this world, and what the world is about. It's amazing. That's why I think everyone should do it. Not not for the rest of their lives, but at least once or twice. Yeah, you have to do it for the right reasons. Yeah, you can't just do it just to do it. I definitely came out of it a, a different person. I don't know about a better person, but yeah, I'm definitely different now. Yeah. Maybe I just grew up. In the process. I'll be honest with you. The other day I was thinking about it and I was like, man, I had the best time of my life when I was doing mushrooms. I had the best time of my life when I was smoking and doing mushrooms. It's not, it's not something you say. It's not something I recommend doing. But I had the best time of my life when I was deep in feeling depression, not understanding where I was supposed to be in the moment. I still don't. But that feeling of... Wow, I feel like I know what I'm supposed to do. You told me World War Three is all in our heads. It's a mental battle. Yeah, it's a mental... Um, and maybe that's not like exactly... Like it sounds weird, it sounds dumb. No, it's a but, spiritual warfare. But no yeah, way. yeah, it's a spiritual warfare. Yeah. And that dude, that sat with me and I was like, wow, he's on to something. He's on to something. Yeah. And we also had a bunch of other crazy. <laughs> and yeah, I think we're all struggling mentally. Yeah. And it becomes more and more evident every day. Like everyone struggles. And I think depression is just a, it's a big key factor in life. We all need to be depressed at sometimes. And we just can't dwell too too much in that headspace. We all have to break it. But if we're all depressed all the time, our World War our World War Three is happening right there in your head. Yeah, so, right in your face. You, you know, just don't know it. Russell Brand talks about how, you know, your your reality all exists in your head. You mm -hmm. portray it. Yeah. So it's all on you. you. Yeah. You make the choices in your life. Mm -hmm. You create your own discipline. You create your own motivation. Just roll with it, baby. Yeah. Break up, break the chain. You know, um, it just feels good to not say anything for just two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> to not, not know what I'm going to say. It just feels so good. Yeah. Life's a game of chess, dude. You got to know what move you're going to make, whether it's the right one or not. But if it's not the right move, yeah, you're fucked for a second. But there's always a, an escape. Yeah, there's a finish line to everything. Yeah. People tell you to respect the journey and just love the journey. Yeah. Motherfucker, I'm ready to be there. Yeah. Are we there yet? <laughs> Gosh. So much struggle. So much struggle. Yeah. But we need it. It yeah, wouldn't yeah, make yeah, us human. Need it. it builds character. Yeah, that's what it is. My first three jobs were just character building. I didn't build anything but character. Yeah. A couple of high rises and... That's what life is. Car trucks. Life, you, life builds you. Builds who you are. Builds yeah. who you want to be. Um, we have lessons for a reason. And everything is a lesson or a blessing. 
you can come out of it happy or you'll come out of it, you know, real upset. But at the end of the day, there's always going to be a lesson taught. And I would prefer that over than being happy every single day. Who do you think I should bring on next? Should I give you some options? Or do you think you have a person? I was thinking of bringing Tanner, the pontoon guy, Tanner Tischer. That would be a wild one. Could you imagine him sitting where you're sitting right now? <laughs> I told him I was going to do this. The entire fucking apartment complex is just going to be at the door, like wondering what the fuck is going on and who's being so damn loud. <sighs> yeah, I was thinking about it. It's either Tanner, uh, Brennan Bowers. I don't think you know Brennan. No. But he plays the guitar and he's a really good singer. I grew up with him, play soccer with him. But he's uh, really, really good on guitar. I was thinking about bringing him in, uh, talking to him. You know a lot of people. I do. I do know a lot of people that I can bring on for sure. For sure. I'm trying to think. A good person you could bring on for sure would be Liam. Liam. But he's always... He, yeah. He's never around anymore. He's always gone. Yeah. I tried to call him the other day and then went straight to voicemail and he hasn't called me back. Yeah. And that's not like him. Yeah. He's normally always like at my beck and call. Yeah. I don't know. Some people just grow up, grow out of it. Not that he's not... You know my dog anymore, but yeah, of course. It's just I don't know. When you get a female, things change. Yeah, they do. Things change. I'm here right now because uh, I regulated some boundaries. You gotta make it tighter. Yeah, the boundaries are good. Yeah, you just gotta set boundaries within yourself. You know, you get lost in trying to take somebody, take care of somebody else's feelings rather than your own. What do you say we go smoke the rest of that cigar? I think that would be nice. Let's do it.